Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome to episode 14 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff. And I'm Will. And wow, it was a zippy week this week. I feel like we just recorded last week's episode. Mm -hmm. It kind of zipped by so fast. I'm not sure what happened there. Yeah. How are you doing this week? I'm doing fine. Excellent. Um, Before we get started, I want to uh, apologize to our listeners. Last week was our longest episode to date. And that is primarily thanks to me and my rambling discourse on... New Year's resolutions. Um, one of my <laughs> podcast <laughs> resolutions for 2016 is to find ways to more concisely uh, express my views. Well, <laughs> apologize though you might. I mean, we did get at least one email this week from somebody who found your insights on ouch versus ouch versus, you know, I can't remember the other one. Ow versus, versus wow. wow. <laughs> who said they found that insightful. So while it was our longest episode, and it was a long one, especially considering that we were the only people on it and didn't have an interview, yeah. people, at least one person, found it to be insightful, so I don't think it's an all-bad thing. Yay for my rambling. <laughs> yes. But concise is good. So uh, we will all endeavor to be more concise. As a general rule of thumb, we want to try to keep the episodes um, between 30 and... 45 at the absolute yeah. max. I think as personally as a podcast listener, um, it really depends on the, the information or entertainment they're delivering. I think, you know, for me personally, I prefer episodes that are between 30 minutes and an hour, which is a pretty broad range. But I think for us, just babbling on and on, 50 minutes is... It was kind, a lot, kind of a lot, yeah. but I think I think our the way we'll try to be for 2016 is 30 minutes for episodes that are just us, and 30 to 45 for the episodes where we have a guest, because our guests could really dictate how long it goes depending on how interesting they are. And so far, we've had really interesting ones. Yes, we have. Uh, a couple recap items for me for this week before we. Charge forth to get our 45 minutes in. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I was excited this week. I finished the first draft of Codename Winger Book 1, which was awesome. 60,000 some words. Uh, written in a pretty concise bit of time. It started in NaNoWriMo, slowed up a little bit in December while I was editing what had to get out. And then I finished it up and polished it off. I shared uh, the first chapter with my writing group this week, which was a little scary because I really never share first draft with anyone. Um, not even Will sees my first draft stuff unless there's something very specific I want him to look at in it. Uh, and it got good, good positive feedback, and they gave me some good stuff to think about as I start the editing process on the book as a whole. Um, and they'll be seeing more of that book, too, uh, as I get further in and clean up chapters. Uh, currently, besides editing that, I'm kind of working on the plotting for two other books. Uh, Codename Winger Book 2 is getting its high-level plot done uh, while I'm editing the first book. And I'm also starting to plot a book that will be set in my home state of Michigan. And as part of that research, we actually watched Somewhere in Time this week. Uh, I haven't seen that movie in years. And it was delightful to revisit it. I know for you it was your first time 
to actually see that that gem of a film. It's really delightful. Yes, it is. It's a really good movie. And let's see. I'm also working on a short for a submission call, just to kind of weave another thing in there to to get it working on. So yeah, that's busy. that. Yeah, it's been a busy week. Part of the, I think that's part of why it shot by like it did. Mm, yes. Um, okay, I don't have any news. So let's <laughs> So let's get to last week's question. Uh, last week we wanted to know, do you set reading goals? And if you do, what are your goals for 2016? We got a good ar- array of answers. And I, I feel kind of, I have to say, I feel like, like a slacker now because so many people read hundreds of books. But it's awesome they do that. Uh, Elvis said he'd never set reading goals before, and last year he thinks he only read about five books, which he classified as sad. Uh, this year he wants to read more, especially books in the genres that he writes in, which is mainly MM romance and science fiction, and he's looking to hit 15, and anything more than that he says would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christina said that last year her reading goal was to try a new genre, which was a pretty awesome goal to set instead of a number goal, at least in my opinion it was. Uh, she delved into MM last year and said it was the best reading move ever. This year, I want to add more sci-fantasy sci into my life. More adult sci-fantasy. Straight gay doesn't really care. Yeah. Uh, like Jeff said, we had a lot of really great responses. People, um, it really, frankly, kind of blew my mind. I'm like, say what? People were going, oh, my goals for this year are 150 books or 200 or 300, yeah. which I think is completely completely bananas and totally outside my my personal realm of possibility yeah. but the idea of reading a book a but, day is pretty awesome but if if you can and you want to read a book a day then more power to you absolutely i think that's completely awesome um jillian wrote in and she said uh she wanted to up her reading goal for this year to about 90 she also mentioned that um she doesn't have any specific book goals in mind, but my secondary goal is reading the books that I have already bought instead of acquiring new ones. To which I say, Jillian, that's a swell thought, but <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a noble, noble task to work your way through your TBR, but um, <laughs> I want to, a week into the new year, I'm probably guessing for most of us. Um, yeah, you've probably already fallen off that wagon. I think I've at least downloaded at least one book so far this year. Yeah, I know I have. And we went to the bookstores (laughs) yesterday actually looking to buy more books that we left out and didn't walk away with So, yeah, I mean, TBRs, they're they're both the joy and the bane of a reader's existence. What are you going to do? No. (laughs) So, um, so Jeff, um, <laughs> that was a sad transition super, on our part. Super, super bad. We should um, say before we leave the question of the week territory, uh, yes. you can see all the answers, uh, that we received to the question on this episode show notes. Yes. Cause there's about another dozen over there. So okay. I think where you were headed was, was to get us into trying the interview. Trying to smoothly segue <laughs> and failing rather spectacularly. Uh, we had we have Sarah York on the podcast this week. Uh, Sarah is one of our very favorite people. Uh, mm-hmm. She's always a treat to talk to at conventions. Uh, she's kind of a an inspiration to me in terms of not only the work that she puts out, but also that she self publishes mm-hmm. uh, the bulk of it. Uh, some of her older work is published through 
through publishers. That's not very gracefully said, but it's true. Uh, but these days she mostly self-publishes. We talk about her book that came out around Christmas time, which is still relevant here in the new year. Mm-hmm. The Colorado series that she'll continue this year with a couple of additional books. Uh, as well as the giveaway she's doing for Eric Arvin and a lot more stuff. So let's get to that interview. So we're excited to welcome Sarah York to the podcast today. Uh, thanks so much for being with us, Sarah. Thank you for having me. It's great to be on. Yeah, we're thrilled to have you here. Um, so for those of us, for the for the listeners who may not know you, um, tell give us a little introduction to, to Sarah York, the author. Um, wow. <laughs> Hi. It's kind of hard for me to really manage the scope of how much I've written. I started writing um, in the male-male genre a little over four years ago, and I just haven't stopped. It's almost like a sickness. Just I, I just keep writing more and more books. I do have a couple of main series uh, focusing on cowboys, the Texas Soul Series and the Colorado Heart Series. And then I have a YA series that's a coming-of-age and very emotional series called the Southern Thing Series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's been the primary work that I've read of yours so far, and I've just loved it. It's It's a little... Difficult to read at times, but then also so just emotionally satisfying, too, in a lot of ways. Yes, it was very difficult to write, but that's the one set of books that I consistently get letters uh, from young men and young women who grew up in families that just had huge difficulties accepting that they were gay, and still some of the f- people have families that still don't accept them at mm-hmm. all. And I think it's so appropriate you set those in the South, too, because I think that you can certainly have those problems anywhere in the U.S., but I think it's a little more prevalent in the South. Yes, it is. You had a new story out at Christmas uh, called Holiday Emergencies, um, and I know Christmas is over you know, as this podcast comes out. But there was seemed to be so much going on in that story with parenting and you know possibly losing the kids and the custody battle and such. Um, tell us a little bit about that story and the inspiration behind it. That story is the follow-up for my Cops and Cakes book that came out a year and a half ago. And it is just the final piece of that grouping of guys. And they've all, every single one of the stories in that series has someone who works in the food industry and someone who works as a first responder. And it just pulled everything together with how the things the first responder would see. This police officer saw two kids who were obviously homeless and they stepped up and decided to bring them into their family. And you see stories on the news where, you know, a police officer finds kids. And, of course, in fiction you can make things happen much faster than in real life. But it's it's really one of those feel-good stories where people step up and, and take care of the kids. Mm-hmm. And that, that's such a good story anyway, um, anytime you hear that happening, because there's so many homeless youth out there. There really are. 
And I see that you've got coming up soon uh, Colorado Hitch, which is the fifth book in Colorado Heart. Uh, when did that come out, and what can the, the fans of the series expect there? Well, I am um, I am delaying that book coming out until book six is done. But the good thing about that is I only have 10,000 more words to write on book six. I'm almost done with it. I'm just doing the final wrap-up of the story. So I don't have a definite date, but I want to wait until six is done before five comes out. And both of the stories are very closely connected. It does not wrap up the Colorado Heart series, but it does put a final touch on one of the storylines within the series, and it opens some new possibilities for the guys. It's kind of nice that if you have two books out, fans don't have to wait so much in the in-between. Yes, yes. Last year I, I did not get to write anywhere near as much as I wanted to, so these two stories are a long time coming. What would you say that are the trademarks of a Sarah York book? High romance and danger. I just like to throw in a little bit of a thriller aspect into almost all of my books. There's a few that don't have a dead body, but most of them have something that is high stakes. Where would you say your, your writing inspirations are, or who? Who or what, or both? I did read a lot of Stephen King whenever I was younger, and a lot of Anne Rice. And Anne Rice books just proved to be too scary after a while. And um, I do read a lot of thrillers, though, like James Patterson. And I recently found Marshall Thornton's Boys Town series. And that one just satisfies my need for the hard-boiled cop drama with a little romance. Okay. I hadn't heard of that one. I'll have to check that out. Um, as, as, as a Stephen King fan myself, I have to ask you, what's, what's your favorite in his library? I think it would have to be Pet Cemetery. Oh, nice. Not many people go for the, come up with that. It's usually the stand or it. That, that come up there. But yeah, Pet Cemetery, that's a good one. I think I read it at just the right age for it to be just mind-blowing for me, and then the movie came out. And I know some people were like, oh, I hate the movie. But I had such an enjoyable experience at the movie. It was mm -hmm. in a college town. There was a bunch of us from the school who went to go see it, and it was just so much fun to go see that movie in that college town atmosphere with a bunch of other young people who were just having fun. Yeah, I thought the movie was one of his better theatrical movie adaptations even. It it was very good. And in a in an environment where everyone is a little more loose and kind of knows each other because we're all at the same college, it just it was a, a very community movie experience. Mm -hmm. So, looking at your writing process, how would you? What, what's your typical process in, in getting a book together? I usually start about, I would say, a year or two before I'm going to write the book, thinking about it. There are some books that, like, I come up with an idea and I write it, and it's done. 
but usually it's about a year or two out where I just think about the story. And I keep thinking about the story over and over again. Meanwhile, I'm writing other books. And eventually I'll, like, write something down about the story. And it may be a paragraph, it may be three paragraphs, and sometimes I'll just sit down to write a paragraph that I'll get, like, 20,000 words in, and it's like, oh, I wasn't supposed to write that much of the story. (laughs) And then it'll sit for a while, and I'll come back to it whenever I'm ready to actually sit down and write it. And then it just flows really fast for me. And that that means I usually have at least three or four books sitting on my computer, almost fully done. Do you work on multiples at a time? Or when you're actually writing a book, do you just take off on it and go until it's done? The answer is both. Okay. Because I'm I'm constantly thinking of books that I want to write. I have three books that I'm I'm currently working out the plot and like writing little tidbits down and I have one of them fully plotted out. I have another one that's like mostly plotted out and I have a third that I've gotten about 20,000 words on. Meanwhile, I've I'm working on the Colorado series and trying to focus on writing that when I sit down to work. But every couple of days, I'll go back to the other books and just, like, write a little bit more. It's confusing for me, too. (laughs) Given that you're thinking about some of these stories, you know, two and three years out, do you consider yourself a plotter or a pantser? I think some people would consider me a pantser because... I don't hash out the plot the same way that they do, but I'm not a purist in pantsing because I do plot some things out. I just try not to plot it out too far or too... I I try not to have too much of a structure because I don't follow the structure because the characters actually do surprise me. And they throw curveballs in and it just goes a different direction than I thought it would. Mm-hmm. When you're doing series, do you end up and think, you know, this is going to be a three-book series, this is going to be a six-book series, and, and look at the arc overall, or do you just see book-to-book where it takes you? I try to plan it for a certain number of books, but I've learned that readers don't actually like that, and they want you to just keep on going. And that's why I'm leaving the Colorado Heart Series book open because there will probably be more that just keep coming. Mm-hmm. I, you've done quite a number of audio books as well. Uh, what's it like for you to hear your words transformed into the audio performance? I love having the audio books, but I'm not an audio person. I, I can't focus enough when somebody's speaking a book. I've tried to listen to audiobooks from other authors and I just can't do it. So because as the author I have to sit down and I have to listen to the entire audiobook to make sure it is true to the story, it's just a painful event for me. 
So I actually hired somebody to listen to the last couple of audiobooks, so I have not listened to them all. Oh, okay. Interesting. It's it's just it's the way that I listen to things, I just cannot focus on the speaking and I'll either fall asleep and I'll have to just listen to it over and over again or I'm like 20 minutes in and I have no idea what the person said. Mm-hmm. It just blanks in my memory and I have no idea what I've just listened to. And I have that problem also like in a in a classroom setting if I'm Whenever I was in college, I had that problem a lot. I could not listen to the professor. It just doesn't work. Interesting. A little insight there into Sarah York. Because <laughs> I, I, I find with audio that I really can only do it if I'm, like, driving in a car. Almost all of my audio books that I listen to are listen to them on trips to San Francisco or something when I'm driving. Or if I'm in a plane and I'm kind of, you know, I'm trapped and can't really do much else. Because yeah. otherwise, I'm, I want to multitask and do something else that I'm not listening to the book and paying attention. Yes, and and that's how I am. I just I can't listen, and I don't spend enough time in the in a car. Mm-hmm. You've done, as I, as I mentioned, you know, quite a few, but your whole library is not out there. How do you decide what to take to audio? That's a really tough decision. Um, I think what some of the publishing companies are doing and and waiting to take things to audio and eventually doing it is interesting as a self-published author. By the time I figure out if I'm going to earn out enough for a book, I think the the excitement for that story has passed. And it's it's a very difficult decision to make for going to audio. I'm glad I did it with my Southern Thing series. I love the audio versions of, of those stories. I'm not sure how many more I will do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I can see it being a hard decision. And I think the way that I was think, thinking that the publishing companies are actually doing it, it's almost like how traditional publishing you know, puts the hardback out, and then a year later the paperback would show up. Yes. Uh, it seems to follow that kind of traction. But, yeah, I mean, to know when the excitement for a title is over, like when do you do it and when do you take that leap? I think it, I think we'll all be experimenting in that over the next couple of years, trying to figure out where the sweet spot is. Yes, and the publishing industry is changing so much. It's... Um... It's a little frightening how fast it's changing and some of the effects of those changes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And it's as soon as you think you know what's happening, it changes again. It doesn't stay yeah. static very long at all. No, it doesn't. So to, to kind of shift gears a little bit, um, as 26, 2015 closed out, uh, you were kind of spearheading a multi-author giveaway that was designed to help out uh, Eric Arvin with some of his medical costs. Uh, Why don't you talk a little bit about that, kind of why you stepped up to the plate there and and what that means to you. I've known Eric for a number of years online, and I met him in Albuquerque at GRL, and he's really just one of the nicest people 
in the industry. Um, you know, on online it's kind of hard to get to know people, but he really is just a very, very nice person. And he has some health issues and needs some equipment that's very, very pricey. And when I saw that the GoFundMe for his health equipment wasn't going to reach its goal, I just decided to gather together as many authors as I could find who would do the giveaway with me. And we want people to donate, so I guess you would call it a raffle. Technically, it's a raffle. But we're giving away so much stuff, and Kindle, Paperwhite, and so many paperback books and just a ton of ebooks too. So you you kind of have to look at the giveaway to see what all's there, but there's just there's so much stuff we're giving away. And it does not end until the 21st of January. So there's still time to enter. Exactly. As this podcast comes out, the listeners the day it comes out, they'll have 10 days still to enter. Um, and we've certainly been talking about it um, on the show since the end of last year. Um, it's really, I mean, it, it's a great, if you want to just cut it down to, to to the money itself, I mean, every prize there is worth more than the donation that people would be giving yes. um, from what I could see. And it, it's a wonderful set. I think, of a, I think it's at least a dozen, a dozen authors who are in it um, as we record this. Yes, there's. It's just the number of people who have stepped up is amazing, and people who don't even know Eric, they're just they're moved by his story and they want to help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is awesome to see. Um, and we'll have the link to the giveaway um, in the show notes as usual for this episode, so people can easily click into click into your blog and see the whole uh, information and the raffle copter giveaway sitting there, so that they can. Uh, make their donation and, and get it on this good deal and uh, help out somebody. So tell us, what do we have to look forward to from you in 2016 in terms of books and convention appearances and all that good stuff? For I'll talk about conventions first. I'm going to RT in Vegas, which I'm very excited about that. That's my first RT. And I'll be at a couple of other smaller conferences. I'm going to one in Dallas in June and Charleston in July. And I'm excited about those. And then books, I'm continuing with my Colorado series. And then I have some other special Stories that are not going to be series, just one-off books. Um, There is one that is more on the thriller side, and I haven't set the name for that one yet. And then there's a couple that are very romantic, not so much mystery thriller, with just a very good story. And I wish I had the names for those two, but I don't. Well, we'll we'll point people to your website so they can just keep up with these things as you are able to get them out there. That's good. 
I usually end up naming like books I'm working on um, either stories that like I've read. I'll name it like this is like a Sue Grafton book and name it things like that. Or this is like James Patterson. It's just what I remember it as. <laughs> when do you usually come up with titles? Just as an off-the-cuff side question. As I'm writing the story, the title will come to me. It takes a while for me to get into the story, and then one aspect of the book will be more prominent. And that's where I get the title from. And how about the blurb? Does that come before, during, or after? That is put together last minute. If I'm self-publishing, that is put together as I'm entering it into Amazon. If it's with a publisher, which right now the only publisher I'm working with is MLR Press, Chris has to call me up screaming and ranting at me to get the blurb done because it's the last thing I will do. I would wait until it actually went live to write the blurb if I could. Wow. That's even worse than I am. It's bad. I just, I hate writing them. Yeah, they're they're pretty evil. I know there's, I think, there's, one, there's one author I was talking to, Wade Kelly, who, who likes to have her title and her blurb first. And that was just mind-blowing to me because I can't typically work that way at all. <laughs> that's pretty amazing. And I do a lot of my own covers, so I typically won't have the cover the title or the blurb until the story's almost done. And the yeah. cover makes sense because you've got to think about what the story is as a whole to figure out what the right cover is. Yes. I do covers for some of the other authors, and um, some of them have the cover that they want planned way out in advance. They're like, well, I haven't even write, written a book, but this is what I want for the cover. They're like, oh, my gosh. I They, I they must have their title and blurb first. <laughs> If they're getting they must, and like I'll I'll be sitting on covers for some of these authors for like four or five months, and I'm and then they do a cover reveal, and I'm like, oh oh yeah, I made that, didn't I? <laughs> so what's something about you that listeners might find surprising? I don't know. I um I do CrossFit. I'm not, Which I think is awesome. I see that on your Facebook posts occasionally. Yes, I'm not really good at it, but mainly because I've had a lot of surgeries recently, not from CrossFit, but because of things that happened long ago, and now that I'm actually working out, they're showing up. Which they would have shown up when I hit like 60 or 70, and I would have just been one of those very old, sickly people who couldn't even walk around. But I'm getting it taken care of now. So CrossFit is kind of like just something I love to do because it does help me improve so much. What is today? Today is the second. On the first, we do a workout called Truth Serum. And I'm so happy because I did 100 push-ups yesterday. Oh, wow. Good for you. Yeah, it was it was awesome. It was just so awesome to do 100 push-ups in one workout and uh, 
the workout took me like 32 minutes to do. And it it was just long and it was messy and it was raining. So when I went outside to do the outside work, I was just drenched in rain, but it was awesome. I'm impressed. See, I, I was on the elliptical for a while yesterday, but I didn't do any of that. <laughs> Oof, I can't even imagine 100 push-ups in 32 minutes, even if that was all I was doing. <laughs> Honestly, I need to start yeah. following the Sarah York workout. <laughs> the last set of push-ups, it, it was broken up into a set of workout, different exercises that you did after a 400-meter run, and then you did these exercises, broke it up, and did another 400-meter run, and then did more. And that last set of 50 push-ups I did, I I could only do two at a time and mark it down as done. So I wasn't thinking about doing 50. I was just doing, okay, here's two, and mark that down. Then here's two more, because it does just get daunting. It's mm-hmm. It wears on you. So we ask every week on the podcast a question of the week. And the question for this episode is, what are your reading goals for 2016? So I guess to start with, do you actually set reading goals? And if so, kind of what are you looking at for 2016 in terms of books read? I do not set any reading goals. I'm just happy to be able to fall into bed at night and read a couple of pages I think I have enough stress in my life that if I set a reading goal, it would be too much for me. And that makes sense. Because they're they're certainly not for everyone. No, I I really want to enjoy my reading time, which is why whenever I find things like this Boys Town series that is, it's hard-boiled cop. It's from the 80s, and it's so good. And there's so many little things I can see developing because it's talking about, you know, it's going through historical things that happen like Reagan getting shot and um, the president of Egypt being assassinated. So it's kind of a really neat look back at things that happened when I was growing up. And, of course, right around that time, the AIDS crisis happened. And so you can mm-hmm. see little hints of what's going to happen in the series. It's just, it's like a guilty pleasure for me to read stuff like that. Nice. Ah, you've sold me on that just a little bit more now, too. It is It is worth it to pick it up. I think there are eight in the series so far. So it's, you know, hours of reading pleasure. It's not just like, okay, I'm reading like 20 minutes and I'm done. The story is so good. And the characters are so good. So maybe my goal is to read all of those books this year. There you go. That's a good goal. So now you get to turn the table on our listeners. What question do you want to ask them for them to ask, for them to give the responses to this coming week? For the listeners, um, is, okay, here's the question. Is there a series for your favorite author? that you would like to see continue? So like a series that hasn't had a book out in a little bit, perhaps? or Yes, or one that is closed off, one that is that the author has ended. That I, and I know that that's like not realistic sometimes. Sometimes the author has passed away and they're done 
writing. It's over. But is there something that you would like to see continue? And I know that some of the some of the readers go off and do fan fiction and continue it on their own, which is an interesting way to satisfy that need. But what would they like to see continue? Okay, that's a good question. And I have one that immediately comes to mind, even. <laughs> I have an answer to give, even. That's awesome. Um, which I won't reveal here, because we'll actually do that. Um, will and I will answer that coming off this interview in the episode. So listeners will actually hear that in a few minutes. Oh, that's good. Um, so what's the best way for people to keep up with, with you and your writing? On Facebook and my website. So my my Sarah York author Facebook page and my Sarah York website. That would be the best way to keep up with me. Great. And we'll we'll link up to those in the show notes. Thank so you. is there anything else that you'd like to, to tell our listeners before we wrap up? That I really appreciate all of my readers. I think it's reading is such a wonderful thing and it allows me to you know disappear into another realm if you will and just get my mind off of some of the stressors that happen in life so i i really love that people keep writing and thank you to all the authors that are your listeners too well sarah york thank you so much for being with us thank you for having me that was a great interview. I'm glad you had a chance to talk to Sarah. Yeah, it was a, it was a good time. Now, Sarah asked um, everyone out there listening, is there a specific series uh, from your favorite author that you'd like to see continue? Um, I had to think about this for a little bit. Um, the one series that I wish there were more of and that I wish uh, would continue are The uh, Adventures of Alex Kane by John Preston. Now, John Preston was an interesting guy. He's primarily remembered as sort of the, uh, how would you describe it? Sort of the, the, the father of gay leather and BDSM because he wrote um, the book Mr. Benson uh, and, and several other books that explored the uh, gay leather subculture uh, in the 70s. Um, if you want to know what real leather and BDSM is all about, you can check these books out. This is no, like, cutesy, slap and tickle, ooh, let's write up a contract, you know, erotic stuff. This is this is hardcore. It is the real deal. Um, I, honestly, I tried to read Mr. Benson, and I thought it was uh, a bit too intense for me personally. That's what John Preston is primarily remembered for. Um, but he also wrote this series called um, uh, Alex Kane. And John Preston also wrote in the men's adventure uh, subgenre in the uh, 70s. And the Alex Kane character is essentially a gay takeoff on uh, Mac Bolan, who uh, is the executioner. And he had a wildly popular series that only um, this last year uh, in 2015 was canceled um, uh, and Alex Kane is 
how to describe him. He's sort of a 70s version of... Oh, gosh, I'm completely blanking on it now. Who who does... Jack Reacher. Thank you. Oh, I didn't even have to ask you. He's sort of a, a 70s version of Jack Reacher. Um, uh, he has a, a patron um, who uses high-tech computer technology from the 1970s to uh, search out uh, um, gay populations all over the country who are being... Um, harassed or threatened and uh alex kang goes in and he does his thing and he takes care of business uh there are six books in this particular series um i have uh been able to read uh, all of them and i have loved every single one um john preston died in 1994 uh sadly so uh he won't be you know continuing the series um yeah, I just love the character, and I love the sort of, for the time, sort of the revolutionary uh, take on the men's action-adventure genre. Um, all of the books are really, really wonderful. Um, if you're interested in that particular series, the Alex Kane series, uh, you can usually find used copies online. Uh, at Amazon and all the usual places. The books first came out in 1984. They were then um, re-released, uh, reissued, I should say, in the early 90s, and they've been out of print since then. You can still pretty easily find copies online. Okay. If you're interested in finding out more about John Preston, there's a collection of his essays. John also wrote extensively for all of the um, gay magazines, uh, just, uh, he was a really fascinating guy. If, if he was still around, I would love to sit and talk to him. I think he's absolutely fascinating. There's a collection of his essays called My Life as a Pornographer and Other Indecent Acts. And it's just, it talks about his writing career and, you know, his, um, sort of his advocacy and the, uh, leather community and a whole bunch of other different things. Um, like I said, he was a fascinating guy, and I love this series. And I, I just wish there were more. <laughs> cool. Well, I'll I'll link up to as much as I can in the show notes. Yeah. Um, to see what I can find on that. Um, as you know from listening to the interview, when Sarah asked the question, I immediately knew what my answer was. Mm-hmm. Um, Z. A. Maxfield's Saint Nachos books. I love this series. Fell in love with it from book one. There are currently four books that are out. Uh, there has not been a new one since 2011. Uh, but she did take all these to audio last fall. So they're on my my wish list on Audible right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually when I get credits, I will pick up the audio and listen to uh, how the stories are told in that fashion. Uh, the books... The first book was about a guy who was running away from his life, and he ended up in St. Nachos, which is this coastal town in Southern California uh, that's kind of magical, is really the only way to put it. The The town folk are kind of awesome, and he he goes there and he ends up healing himself. Um, the other books, there's always somebody who comes to town who needs some kind of help, and the town helps them kind of recenter and refine themselves. Uh, lovely romances, lovely stories. 
every time I see Zam, I kind of nudge her on when's the next one going to come because uh, <laughs> I really want one. Uh, it sounds like she's got more books in her somewhere, and when the time's right, hopefully she will take us all back to say nachos again. Yeah, I agree. I've actually only read the first two in this particular series. I I love them to pieces. Um, one of these days I am going to get around to finishing the series, but I agree. I think they're um, pretty wonderful. Yeah. That's it's good stuff. Such a good tone she sets in those. Yeah. So now you get to tell us, is there a series from your favorite author that you would like to see continue? And as Sarah said, it can be a series that can't continue, much like what Will had with his series, a series that's been closed by the author, or just one that you're just kind of waiting on the next book that you know is coming. Uh, you can tell us your answer by tweeting us at Big Gay Fiction. You can leave a comment on this episode's entry on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Podcast. You can also leave it in the comments for this episode on YouTube or on the website at biggayfictionpodcast.com, or you can email us at jeffandwill at biggayfictionpodcast.com. And do feel free if you're, you know, however you're responding to us, suggest a question. Um, we've got one coming up, I believe it's next week, who is actually from a question that's from a listener. Uh, so we'd love to hear what you'd like us to ask. Mm. Uh, and I think that does it for this week. Yeah, I think we'll uh, wrap things up and try to keep the uh, episode length. Keep that 45-minute rule on, that we've got. On, on task. Now, remember, um, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM and YouTube. And we'd also love your reviews, please, 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 on any of those channels. I mean, if you happen to be there and in the mood to, like, you know, click a star or write a few kind words, we would greatly appreciate it. You can always leave comments on at any of those places, as well as on our website at BigGayFictionPodcast.com, where you can also sign up for our monthly newsletter. Now, we'd love emails, too, if you're so inclined. Uh, you can send those to Jeff and Will at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. Perfect. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode in Sarah York, and we will see you back here next week. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. For detailed show notes, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com.